Secrets of the Sire. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to another episode of Secrets of the Sire. We talk comics, movies, TV, and pop culture every Wednesday night, 8 p.m. Eastern on the Sire Studios digital network. That is secretsofthesire.com, youtube.com slash sirestudios, facebook.com slash secretsofthesire, twitch.tv slash secretsofthesire. And then you can download us on all major podcasting apps, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Spreaker, you name it, we're on it. Uh, we have our podcast live. Happy birthday to both of us was last week, but we actually get another birthday gift because we welcome Brian Volkweiss of the Toys That Made Us on this week's episode talking Ninja Turtles, Power Rangers, wrestling, season three of the Toys That Made Us and more. Uh, pretty awesome. Which is going to be pretty, pretty awesome. We also have a live event coming December 28th. That is our Star Wars live event. Two more episodes. We've got our, our uh, 200 episode spectacular at uh, the Starlight Runner Studios. And right now, you can go to sirestudiosinc.com slash Kickstarter, and it will take you to the Descendant Kickstarter, which is now officially live. And oh, by the way, tomorrow's Thanksgiving. Big happy Thanksgiving to everyone. I am your host, Michael Dolce, as always, joined by my cohort in crime, Mr. Hassan Godwin. How you doing, sir? I'm um, okay. That is a oh, that no. is a lengthy lengthy open. Um, <laughs> yeah, a little bit. I, I was falling asleep. <laughs> we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna definitely talk some more Baby Yoda. We're gonna definitely talk nah, some Watchmen. Uh, we're gonna talk a a whole bunch of stuff. But but I, I just wanted to, I wanted to bring this out to you. Season three of Toys That Made Us. We got Brian Folkwise coming on a little bit later. These are my original Mutant Ninja Turtle comics uh-huh. that I drew in. Fifth grade. There's Mr. Shredder right there. Oh, there's there they are. I didn't really. I wasn't much That's of a colorist. Funny. I That's wasn't much of a colorist there. Pretty fantastic, right there. There's Krang, brain drain. This is. I, I literally. I'm just showing you two of 40, 40 that I that I drew. You did forty um, issues. You did like an yeah. entire. Yeah, wow. maybe like thirty-eight, something like that, but approximately forty. <laughs> yes. And then I but moved 38, on to but the last two issues are missing. Like <laughs> it's a, you got the, you got you, you actually have forty, but you could but the the archives only have thirty eight. I actually have a couple where I just drew the cover and, and then I never finished the book. So. You did a you did a very you did a very short run of yeah. uh, of issue thirty nine and forty, and that's yeah. why there's very few of them in circulation out there. The, right the turtles, <laughs> and we talked about this, uh, you know off air a little bit. I mean, the turtles for me is what got me into comics period. Uh, and then to know, to go from the, um, you know, cartoon to the Archie comics, then to learning about the Mirage comics was the equivalent of learning that there was a radio version to a rap song and an uncensored version to a rap song. And it was an amazing, it was an amazing experience and, uh, and it forever kind of like, you know, shaped everything. So again, so excited. Uh, the episode was awesome. Of uh, heroes of, in a half shell, man. Yeah, I mean, you can't even uh, try to come up with something that clever. You know, off the off the top of your head, no one heroes can. in a half shell. You know, like yeah, you know that's. I just remember that. I remember that cartoon. I remember not being convinced about the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles until I saw that cartoon, and I was like, yeah, no, nah, okay, this works. This is yeah. this is this is working. No, it's it's um, amazing. It, it was amazing to me, and. Uh, 
the Eastman Laird story, as layered as it is, uh, was was a really was it was awesome, and it it yes, it took me back, but it also kind of like moved me forward too, and just I mean, just the impact that you can have doing all the stuff that we love doing, you know? Yeah, I did like I did very much like uh, how in depth it went into the into Eastman and Laird themselves and how they created yeah. the turtles, you know? Yeah, and, and you were even you saying, know, I mean, it's a different it's a different way of doing it that they don't normally do in Toys That Made Us, no. but for that one. Yeah, it was wonderful. It really was. I love a documentary anyway, especially about people creating IPs mm-hmm. and you know things that become really popular and really famous. Mm-hmm. Um, and that that was just like that was gold for me. It really yeah. was, you know. Yeah. And it, I mean, it's also the, the the little bit of um that little bit of cathartic sadness, you know, about people trying to start fledgling, you know, uh, yeah. uh, companies fledgling, you know, trying to follow their dreams, and they keep hitting walls, and nothing kind of works out. And they were depressed. I mean, not even, I'm, not <laughs> yeah. even, I'm not even spoiling it because there's so much more to it. But they were depressed and they started, you know, they started doodling. And they come up with a Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle. That's like, that is fantastic. You can't write that stuff. No, you, know, that is, that's no, you hope. You know, it's funny. It, you hope when you're creating that, that all of a sudden you're like, you're telling the documentary of your own life in your head as you're yeah. creating like, this is going to be the greatest thing. Oh my gosh. Yeah. This is good. Could this be, could this be the moment that I'm yeah, creating? Is this the next big thing? Is this and the then, next big thing? And then you're stuck hosting a middling podcast. instead. <laughs> Brian K. Volkwes coming up a little bit later, but first, uh, did I say Brian K. Volkwes? It's just Brian Volkwes. Uh, Brian K. Vaughn. Mm, merging, merging, you, merging genius. You, but first we start with our sire bites, which by the way, now becoming our opening <laughs> credits. Yeah, that's it. We're nixing the sire bites. I like the dog sound, but we're, we're, we're going opening credits. In theme, though, Baby Yoda toys coming for Mandalorian fans in time for Christmas. Uh, this is from the New York Post. Uh, get ready for the fight over Baby Yoda toys on Black Friday. Disney is said to be launching merchandise of the child, the adorable Amazon. big-eyed new character that captured everyone's hearts in the Mandalorian just in time for holiday shopping. CNBC reports dubbed by adoring fans as baby Yoda. The newcomer all but lends itself to mass market appeal. So Disney plans to cash in as, as popular, uh, this popular newbie as quickly as possible. Um, the one Nothing note about baby it though, Groot. Nothing beats baby Groot. News of Mandalorian merch comes just after the show's executive producers, John Favreau and Dave Filoni, told Entertainment Tonight the character was kept under wraps to avoid spoilers. We really wanted to have it be that you had to watch it yourself so that every time you watch the show, there are new twists and secrets that come out. Part of that was holding back on some of the merchandise and holding back on some of the characters. So Good move. Uh, Good move. So your Mandalorian fix, your Baby Yoda fix of the day, you will get it. Because uh, actually, Hollywood Reporter was reporting... There's bootleg, uh, Baby Yoda bootleg merchandise has hit online uh, officially as well, too. So you oh, be careful that you're getting an, an authentic Baby Yoda that may or may not be Yaddle's baby. <laughs> yes, it is Yaddle's baby. Damn it. Dude, it's funny. I mean, you're like a grandparent. As soon as I saw that, people are coming out of the woodworks, Yaddle this and Yaddle that. And there's this chart mm-hmm. now. With uh-huh, the two yad- because you know why? You know why you didn't have the, the, uh, the inside track on that? Because you're not a prequels fan, baby. You, got, you need your resident prequels fan to be able to, 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 to lay waddle down on you. Right you are there. the boom. MVP of our show. Boom, boom. Don't, don't tease me, man. That's not But all this Star Wars talk wrong. <laughs> and all the positivity over 
the uh, Mandalorian. Uh, leads me into my next story, and uh, this is a, this is what we're really kicking off the show with here, because this this I thought was uh, pretty interesting. Uh, Star Wars uncertainty extends to Kathleen Kennedy's Disney future. Now she recently did a, a Rolling Stone interview. It actually came out uh, last Thursday, so it was after uh, we went on air last Wednesday. In depth interview with Kathleen Kennedy and talking Disney's future, uh, but she was also talking just in general. Uh, and it starts off with this, and I want to get your reaction to this because I think this is just this is one of those things that all of a sudden just popped up like wildfire on the internet. Rolling Stone asked, "Is this final entry in the trilogy a particularly hard nut to crack?" And she goes, "Every one of these movies is a particularly hard nut to crack. Uh, there's no source material. We don't have comic books. We don't have 800-page novels. We don't have anything other than passionate storytellers who get together and talk about what the next iteration might be." Huh? Does that, does that not, now, unless she's just specifically saying that the extended universe is not official George Lucas, so there isn't anything to go about on, is that just the most, I want to use the word clueless, but I know there's a harsher term for it that's, that's more in line, like, is she thinking in a vacuum? Is she answering in a vacuum? Pretty sure she means that unlike Game of Thrones or or MCU, there's right. not 50 years worth of material that they're adapting. So they have to come up with everything from scratch yeah. in order to make it work. Now, look, oblivious. You, oblivious before, is the word. Oblivious comment. Go ahead. No, it's it's not really. Um, it is, but it isn't. Um. It's unfortunate. It's an unfortunate comment. Because you know, you we all know what she means when she No, says I what I literally did saying. not know what she meant when, when I read that. I really did. Well, I, you, kinda... I mean, like in in a, in the context of adaptation, right? Yeah. If you decided, if you made a if you made a, a business decision and we don't know whose decision it was to to uh to decanonize the uh the EU. Even though a lot of the EU wasn't canonized anyway, but I mean Right. Ultimately, they made the, the decision to, to exercise the entire EU, right? Yeah. We don't know if that was her decision or not. She's the head of the company, so she's going to have to take the bite for that anyway. Right. But um, when you're talking, when you, when you make a business decision to destroy the, this, you know, all this other material so that you could forge your own material, which I think for a lot of licensing reasons, Disney kind of had to do. Yeah. Because a lot of these authors and a lot of these other, you know, Lucasfilm came up with a lot of this other stuff. They, they'd have to pay out a ton of people in order to, I mean, like, I don't know. I, I, I don't know if, if, if Lucasfilm exclusively owns Grand Admiral Thawne or that they have to share it with, um, uh, you know, with uh, Timothy Zahn because they right. kind of came up with it. I don't know what the licensing situation with that is, but I do know that they have to share accolades with a lot of people. So they decided not to do that. They decided to have everything licensed in-house so they could come up with their own stories and go forward with that. That is a business decision. I don't agree with the but decision. Does that, okay, here's the thing. I'm not, a big, I'm not a big component of that decision, but that's basically the decision that they made. And therefore, from that perspective, they're going to start forging ahead creatively and that, that in, in that context, in that contemporary context, 
they are correct in saying if we're making this stuff up as we go along, we do not have any books <sighs> and, and novels and stuff yeah, like that to adapt. That is, that is the way they're looking at it. Now, of course, because everything she says is venom, it's, it's, it's grist for the mill, right? It's fuel for the, for the hive mind, the outrage. And I'm not saying that she doesn't deserve it, but she, you know, it's fuel for the outrage mechanics. That of course it's going to be bad. It's of course it is. But I mean, we all know what she meant. You know, the, the it's thing like about the Scorsese it, though, thing all over again. You know what he means. Just like, no, I don't no, like see, this. But Scorsese, I knew exactly what he meant. Kennedy, it sounded like she was oblivious to the very property that she's but I'm saying, supposedly like, in charge of. She's she's the head of. And I, I'm not and even I get defending. It, but like, I get it. Look, me. I get I'm what not, you're right. saying. I get what no, you're no, saying. No, 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 no. I'm not saying it. Right. That's no, just no, no. the situation. I'm not I, defending it. I am painting the situation. We know what she means. You now, don't have an answer to this question, and I know you don't, but this is, uh, and I don't either. Uh, uh, decanonizing something, does, does that actually prohibit you from using things that may have no, been? No, it doesn't. That's what I'm mean. saying. So you do, you do have all this. I mean, you even had George Lucas hand you notes and say, "This is how I think it should go. Let's see how. You, let's see what you do." And they and they and they've just, you know, yeah, she her especially. She, I mean, but like, all I'm saying is, from a business perspective, she's right. We don't have anything. If we're if we made they made a creative decision to not utilize any of that material, and thus yeah. they are going to forge ahead. I'm not saying that they were saying that they were deprived of this stuff. It was still a decision that they made. Yeah. But, but if you're going by the business decision that they made, that she's absolutely correct. There is no source material anymore because they got rid of it all. But like I said, it was, it's an unfortunate statement. It was, it was an ill-advised, unwise statement. None of them should speak, really. <laughs> well, I mean, everything don't, that they don't say kind of... On your mouth? Yeah, everything they say <laughs> just kind of, you know, every time they try to, every time you're playing defense, defending yourself against decisions that were made or whatever, you're, it's, it, you're you know, it's like, a, what, what's that, that comment? Um, ultimately, a siege mentality is a, is a fatalistic mentality. Mm -hmm. Like, if you just decide, okay, look, the, the enemy's outside and they're everywhere, so we're just going to, we're just going to hunker down here and eat you know, eat whatever supplies we have left and hope that this thing blows over by the time we run out of supplies or we figure something out, that's a siege mentality. But basically, uh, Lucasfilm has taken on a siege mentality where they're constantly trying to explain the decisions. And look, they don't really have, other than Solo, financially, right. they don't have a lot to have to, 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 have to answer for. But I mean, the writing is on the wall. Like, of course... A lot is riding on the the, uh, the the rise of Skywalker. Oh yeah, that movie doesn't do great. I mean, like Gangbusters, everyone's just going to paint it as the biggest failure. Even if it, even if it makes a, a decent. I mean, Solo made a decent chunk of money. I mean, by the time it, by the time you you get through with the reshoot or whatever, it kind of broke even. But I mean, Solo still make it made a good amount of money. It just wasn't enough for it to be a hit. So. Star Wars is on a completely different level than a lot of these other movies, you know? They're yeah. calling, uh, they, they call uh, Into the Spider-Verse a hit, even though it didn't make a ton of money. Right. Because comparatively, you know, if you, you, it, in That's the market... lower expectations. It, it lower expectations. It's in an animated market or whatever. So therefore, 
you know, it, it is not a, not everything needs to make a billion dollars for them to say that this is a gangbuster hit. You know, this is a runaway hit. Star Wars is a completely different category. Just like, just like James Cameron's uh, Avatar. If Avatar comes out and doesn't destroy, decimate all, right. it's going to be seen as a failure, even if it's a great movie, you know? Because right. it's, it's got to, you know, because it didn't do as well as Cameron's other movies. So... It's, so, it's, you know, I, they've, they've got a siege mentality. They're, she they're, says they're, this, yeah, she says these comments, and she says these comments amidst uh, her own uncertainty. This is from Hollywood Reporter. Uh, the Lucasfilm chief has a director lined up for the 2022 film, even as she has yet to settle on the direction for the marquee franchise's evolving mythology or her own future. Uh, it's fair to say that when Skywalker, Rise of Skywalker opens December 20th, uh, some will be waiting with knives out to see what comes next. Uh, sources no say Kennedy. Ha- yeah, sources <laughs> say no Kennedy has a film on deck for 2022, uh, but not the one being developed by Last Jedi filmmaker Ryan Johnston. Uh, no announcement is planned until January no, for that I one. I think that's over. Well, it says no announcement is planned until January. And this is pretty current uh, writing, at least from Hollywood Reporter. There, Creating there new mythology is, of course. Though. The challenge that Disney faces with Star Wars, Kennedy is an experienced and competent producer, but she's not a creative visionary. She made her name as a producer for four creative visionaries, Steven Spielberg. So the thing that came up in this is that her future is uncertain, but uh, the what it seems to be trending towards, and this will segue into our, our next segment, is who better than Jon Favreau to play a leading role in charting the course? Uh, he has fan loyalty. He is team as Team Disney as they come, having directed Jungle Book and Lion King. Uh, he worked with Kennedy on the all-important effort to launch Disney+, Plus, and having consulted on executive roots and acted in Marvel movies, he is also close with Kevin Feige. Uh, so with or without F- uh, Kennedy, sources say it seems likely Favreau is actually going to be the one who have a lot of say over the future of Star Wars. And uh, I, for one, welcome that. Mm. Mandalorian? I, I gotta tell you, Part of me was skeptical. Mandalorian's a good show. No, Mandalorian's a good show, just like Force Awakens, kind of a good movie. Nobody has a monopoly on making great decisions, you know? So, like, this, there's all this, who's going to be the next savior? Who's the messiah of the Star Wars saga? You John know? Favreau. Gonna... John Favreau. I think, I think, hands down, he has. I know. I know what you say. I'm explaining to you. I don't agree with you. You well, know, hang on, I, hang I think on. I think he's doing a. I think he's going to do a great job, doing what he's doing. But that mm-hmm. doesn't necessarily mean that he's going to be able to save the entire franchise. Everybody's well, got to. Everybody makes a great, great decision. Everybody. The Force Awakens was a great decision. Right. You don't. Think, you don't think Mandalorian is is is. I think. It, I think personally, I enjoyed. Uh, we're up to chapter three now. I feel like it's the first act of a movie, and that's what we kind of got through. I think there's even nine episodes, correct? Is it nine or is it eight? I can't even remember. I think but eight. I think it's eight too. But I mean, essentially, this is the first act of the movie. We get to, you know, kind of be introduced to the character. I thought the first episode was okay, but I think it's just gotten better every single episode after that. I thought the scene where, so. what's that? Is it you should hope so? Well, but well, but some some things come out, and again, it's kind of got that glossy, glittery, brand new you know, feel to it or tugs at your, you know, nostalgia strings mm, foreshadowing for our next segment. Uh, and, and, and there's all these kind of things where, um, you know, you kind of get hooked by the thought of what this could be. And then as the episodes progress, you're kind of like, 
all right, well now this is it. Uh, you know, it, I, I'm not, I'm not into it because it's the potential did not meet the expectations or, or the, or the actual execution didn't meet the potential. This is start, this is actually starting to do it. I, 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 the scene where Yoda, uh, baby Yoda is dre- is, is brought into the room. It actually sent chills because it felt like watching empire strikes back again, where you you actually sent I don't know I sensed real foreboding danger in a Star Wars movie and I haven't felt that in, haven't felt the presence like that in a long time. Okay. Anyway, um, yeah. So far, Favreau's making good decisions. We'll see. You keep using the word decisions. Why do you use the word decisions as opposed to like he's making a good product or he's making a good show or he's making... Because we're not talking about him in the context of being a creator. You're talking about him in the context of running things, taking over from uh, Kathleen Kennedy after it's over. So he's going to be the decision maker, right? Yeah. So we're judging on his ability to make great decisions that he's going to be the... He's going to be a good successor to, you know, to inherit the Star Wars mantle because of the creativity that he's doing. Mm-hmm. Well, but now I'm also talking about the creativity talking, of Mandalorian. Yeah, what's, but what's, the, but create creating a show is not running a business, you know. So it's not the, it's not quite the same. Being creative, being creatively viable is not the same as making you running an entire multi billion dollar corporation and making command decisions, making command and creative decisions. Well, I so don't like, think he's gonna. No, I don't think he's gonna take over her specific role. Uh, but, but I, I mean, do like think he's gonna steer the ship, though. Wouldn't that be making decisions? How's, what, what does steering the ship mean to you? I, I think in terms of he's not going to be recruiting directors. He's not going to be recruiting other you know, creative types to work. But I think he'll be involved in the creative discussions going forward. I think he'll help steer maybe. the storytelling Maybe that's telling a good thing ship. and maybe it's not. You know? What's your take? What's your prediction sure to go wrong? Based on what, you, based on what you've seen of his work in general... And so far, the Mandalorian, which, by the way, even down to the scene transitions, you know, has that has that Star Wars feel to it that I think a lot of fans were missing in in, in at least the Last Jedi, at the very least. What was your question? I don't. <laughs> My I don't question was: Your prediction sure to go wrong? I mean, if John Favreau is steering the ship creatively, so steering. The, I mean, yeah, but okay, because you keep you keep, you keep kind of moving the goalposts. What does steering the ship mean? Creatively you say steering the shit. Creatively, yeah, but what like, does that mean? The, like the, the future where movies, is the universe? And shows. Where are the storytelling? Where where are the story? Like his, if he's steering the story direction for the universe, be it in movies and TV. Wasn't wasn't five minutes ago the everybody's go to guy Dave Filoni? It's Dave Filoni too, but yeah. But now it's Favreau. You see what I'm saying about the fickleness of the? No, of I think how, both of them. I think both changes? of them have earned the cred now. I yes, think both I know them. both of them. But you're talking mainly about Favreau because Favreau is the flavor of the month. And I'm saying he's making some good choices. He's making some good product. I don't know if that means he's going to be able to save it because <laughs> there's no saving it. And I don't think any one person – you're not going to be able to save something. Mm-hmm. This, the Star Wars was something that was written by one guy, right? Right For the most part. Mm-hmm. And then it got bought by a corporation that tried to committee – uh, to 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 uh, committeeize, mm-hmm. which is not a word, um, the creative process, and you find out that that doesn't really work for Star Wars. It does work for other things. It doesn't. I'm work not a committee. For Star Wars. 
for yeah, if it doesn't if particularly I work for Star Wars. So you're gonna you're gonna try to make one guy the the go to guy from now on to make a lot of command decisions, creative decisions. Mm-hmm. That all depends on how extensive his vision is. His vision is this so far. Now, to be honest with you about The Mandalorian, The Mandalorian is really well done, mm-hmm. but it's not very expansive. It's running on this Western motif. It's running mm-hmm. on this nameless stranger motif. It's, it's doing really well staying focused on the plot, but it hasn't really broken any brand new ground. It's just given us something that we like that, that hasn't contradicted everything that came before it and hasn't been so far destroying previously established beloved characters. So it's very safe to love it now because it's not really taking many chances and it's not even very long. It's not, it's not overstaying. It's welcome. It's being, it's staying very, very uh, simplistic narratively. Um, it's staying, staying very straightforward with mm-hmm. you know the goals of the main character versus you know what he's trying to accomplish versus what he's what his mission is, what his conflicts and challenges are. So I mean, it it nothing I have seen other than okay, these guys know what Star Wars looks like. Nothing I have seen means says to me that this guy could tackle the grandiose mythology of the wills and and you know. And the force, you know, the the, the depths Is of it? the force, and and some of these other things that we've seen Star Wars as. Now that doesn't mean he can't. Of course he can. You, you know, just you need to see more. He can. You need to see yeah. more. I'm not. I'm just not going to make him the Messiah yet. You know, I'm not, time, I'm, not, I'm not ready to decide that he's the answer to all the questions. Every time they like, he like gets new armor on Mandalorian. I feel like he's like leveling. I feel like I'm watching a video game. You know, like when. You, when he's like leveling up, like they're pouring it in. I always feel like they're like, I feel like he just completed a board and he's going to the next level. That'd be my one only complaint that it, that's a little awkward. That little, that little transition uh, on the show. Everybody, but otherwise, see what I'm saying? Everybody's got, uh, everybody's armor. No pun intended is a little rickety. You know, everybody, no, no one is perfect. No one's well, got it. No, no one's got the perfect vision for, for everything. Everybody, everybody's got a critique for something um so there's always critiques yes and there's loud loud voices like ours all right let us know what you think uh mandalorian is now three chapters in john favreau is he the savior of star wars will he be the savior of star wars uh of course everyone's gonna say yes because everybody else is a simplistic nugget Speaking of simplistic simplistic nuggets, this is our Thanksgiving episode. We want to wish everyone a happy Thanksgiving tomorrow. I don't. I don't care if you have a good Thanksgiving or not. Hassan, your go-to care Thanksgiving (laughs) meal. (laughs) My go-to, yeah, Uh, macaroni and cheese. Macaroni and cheese. Macaroni and cheese. Really? Mm -hmm. Out of everything. All right, when we what? come back... I suppose you don't approve. <laughs> Whatever. Don't ask if you don't want an answer. <laughs> we uh, are moving along. Watchmen Watch, episode six, and I'll tell you what my go-to, which I know you're all dying to know. Who cares? Thanksgiving cares? meals. People Watchmen just hope Watch. they're going to be eating. That's, episode that's six, the only basic thing. When we come back. 
Hi, folks. This is Michael Dolce, host of the Secrets of the Sire podcast and co-creator of Descendant. It's hard to believe, but it has been 10 years since we unleashed Descendant onto the comics world back in 2009 through Image Comics. Uh, covers by Tyler Kirkham and art by Mariano Navarro. Marcus Perry and I co-creating the book. Uh, Descendant tells the tale of a counter-terrorist agent, Rain Santiago, who's secretly the descendant of an Incan goddess. She's got these crazy powers she can't control and a past she's been running from her entire life until someone from that past emerges and outs her to her team. Uh, with the book being currently adapted into a screenplay and the issues practically sold out across the country, it felt like it was the perfect time to collect the series into an 80-page trade paperback. And now you can get in on the action. Uh, we've got some great rewards, including bookmarks, buttons, pins, sketches, signed comics, uh, and also one that includes our entire lineup of Sire Studios books, which it means the Sire, Mainstream, Undone, and more. And best of all, the proceeds from this Kickstarter, after the cost of printing, shipping, and for the products themselves, will go directly to artist Mariano Navarro, who stepped up big time and made this thing possible back then. Uh, Marcus and I were in awe every week when we would see new pages come in the inbox. And uh, it was truly an honor and a privilege to work with him, and we hope to work with him again soon. So jump on board this 10-day Kickstarter. It's going to run all the way through Cyber Monday and into December. Um, it's only 10 days, so get in quick and help make this happen. Go to sirestudiosinc.com slash Kickstarter for more info and to back this incredible project. Goes live November 26th. Thank you. Really appreciate it, and I really hope to make this happen. Welcome back to Secrets of the Sire. We do this every Wednesday night, 8 p.m. Eastern, talking comics, movies, TV, and pop culture. We are brought to you by our beloved patrons, dedicated fans, Tom Osa, Craig Caruso, Ionar Peterson, Matt Byer, Ashley Haikai, Omar Morales, Brian Phillips, Steve Hovecki, program director Stephanie Dolce, and as always, our uber fan, Christina Dolce. Uh, you just saw the commercial. The Descendant Kickstarter is live. Go check out sirestudiosinc.com slash Kickstarter. Uh, it's only running till December 6th. Uh, the cool part about it, it was uh, my first image comic ever created, which was awesome. It's the only image comic I have with my uh, my credits on it. Uh, it was co-created by myself, Marcus Perry, and Mariano Navarro. And uh, we are doing the Kickstarter. Once we cover our initial costs, which is not a very large sum because the book's already done, uh, the rest of the proceeds actually we're going to send over to Mariano Navarro, not because he's in dire need of anything, but uh, he really he worked so hard above and beyond. Uh, he took a huge, massive pay cut at the time to make this book for us. And so I figured it's a good way to throw him a little bone and, uh, and, and reward him for all the hard work he did. So uh, go check it out, sirestudiosinc.com slash Kickstarter. Okay, diving into Watchmen, watch, 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 episode six. We are three episodes away from the finale. Um, this was... I think by far the most captivating, I think, episode since the first episode, uh, because it's it's shedding light into it's. I think it's the one of the first times uh, where 
Damon Lindelof is actually going and breaking into something uh, that essentially, again, and if you're using the graphic novel as your as as the basis for this, that is canon and kind of flipping it on his head. Uh, it's something you predicted early on. Doesn't mean it's a bad thing that it happened. You know, just because something's predictable, it's not a bad thing. But that hooded justice really is Lugas Jr., uh, which. You know, even down to well, how did why did they think he was a white guy this whole time? Uh, you know, kind of played into it. So I thought that was actually really, really interesting. Episode six is now starting to um, kind of like a breakneck speed. This is the kind of thing that's that's funny though. Is this just modern storytelling now? I feel like they've crammed. I don't know what could have been like three or four seasons into six episodes. I mean, do you get that feeling when you're when you're watching this? No, I think they crammed. Uh, I, I think they cram three or four episodes into one episode. Yeah. Not seasons, but episodes because they wanted to do that slow burn mm-hmm. beginning crap where it doesn't begin with the third. It begins in the third act and it doesn't give you a first and second act. It doesn't, it doesn't lead you to anything. It doesn't really build any of the characters. It doesn't explain yeah. too much. And doing a lot of non-linear storytelling with things, you know, all over the place. I get it. You know, I mean, that's how you keep people intrigued, whatever. Mm-hmm. But I don't think, I don't think that lesson actually holds out. I don't think that that holds true because as I said before, even though there's a, there, there's a tremendous amount of stuff that happens unseen in Game of Thrones, which is, you know, Robert's Rebellion or whatever. The main story of Game of Thrones starts at the beginning. Right. With the kids. And then it just shows them going into adulthood and then taking over basically Westeros, right? Yeah. So it, it, and, and it captivated, and say whatever you want about that eighth season, it captivated people for nine years, okay? You can do that. Everybody's, I think everybody's so impatient because yeah. nobody has a story. Everybody's got an idea that they think that they can utilize. It could turn into an, a Game of Thrones-esque story or a, you know, suddenly they're going to take a property, a pre-existing property, and turn it into some kind of soap opera. Um, I don't get that order feeling for, with this, though. I don't get that feeling with, with, uh, with Watchmen. I don't I, no, I don't. I mean, I really don't. I, I just think it's this, it's this new uh, method of storytelling that, that uh, you know, like you said, is, it's the attention deficit, you know, way of telling stories is that, is that we have to, you know, because I'm not, I'm, look, I'm a fan of actually putting a lot of content into your, into your package where uh, I remember reading like uh, Bendis comics early on in the 2000s where it'd be like, it would take six, six issues just to like, you know, get anywhere. Uh, so, so for, for them to kind of come to a head is great, but I do think the impact is a little, the impact can be lessened when it's kind of rushed. Um, uh, the one thing I I tell you though, what did, what did I say? What, that it was, it wasn't going to pay off that Lindelof was going to mess it up. No, I thought, I, I I don't, I actually disagree with you. I think so far, I think this episode, that's not a big payoff. I mean, that's, first of all, that's something we already saw, right? We already Mm -hmm. saw that coming. All right, so the next thing's going to happen is, theoretically, no spoilers here because this is all this is all in theory. Yeah, the big the the big reveal, right? The big mystery was who's Lou Gossip Jr. and how did he hang uh, Crockett? Right, right, <laughs> right. Well, they gave it away. He no, hung like him that. with a with a yeah. strobe light. <laughs> no, but it's a 
It's a mesmerizing strobe light. It's much different. Come on, it. All right, never mind. If that if if that does it for you, that's fine. But there is it it. No, the big reveal to me it suggested a it, it suggested a profound mystery because the the notions of it were so absurd that there must be something profoundly uh, more intricate at work here. And then you find out, well, you know, because of the technology that he he was he was he managed to steal this technology that was being utilized by, against people back in the sixties to the fifties and the sixties, mm-hmm. and he's using it to his own. I mean, okay, but that's not a. To me, the, the mystery deal. is like oh, the, the the theory in the mystery is that he says he did it. You think that's impossible? He couldn't have done it, right? Because he's too old. Then it shows, oh, he did do it because he's got mind control. Mm-hmm. That's not a. To me, the big no, no, the big reveal of the episode was the scene in the the publicity scene with Captain Metropolis uh, talking and 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 where Hooded Justice is like, I've got this thing that's going to you know, uh, this, this citywide thing? corruption and Captain Travel says it's Malak the, you know, and, and it's this thing where he's tapping into blah, 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 blah. So that to me was the most fascinating part of it. And again, it's fascinating because now Why I'm, is that I, fascinating? You just cause I want to dive he's... back into the graphic novel now and I want to reread anything with hood justice. Yeah, but try, try thinking, it. try thinking about it as though you haven't read the, the no, I get novel, it. Though. I get it. I get it. I, I, I think it's impossible. So that's to not a big two. thing. That's not really a big thing. That's not, first of all, that thing wasn't even, that, that wasn't even a mystery until you saw this episode. Right. So that's, that's, that can't be the, the big reveal. Okay. Not reveal. Maybe the big, uh, the most interesting part of this episode, I think was well, that. that's Yeah. But I mean, everybody's going to choose their own. Sequences. To I know, work. and I just I just chose that one. How, how did, the one thing I the one thing I thought was interesting though, uh, and I'm not sure why this is the case. If they how do they know that Hooded Justice is gay, but they don't know he's a black guy? At the end of the day, and then I thought I thought the I thought I what I was actually thinking was the gay storyline with Hooded Justice and Catherine Metropolis was also fictitious. And then to find out it wasn't was a little. We don't jarring. know if anybody knew that they were gay. Well, no, you, you know, know about the, the min- no, no, you know it because of the Minuteman documentary that's going. But obviously, on that documentary is false, right? Well, that's my point. Obviously. That's my point, though. The documentary is false. So how I, I, I the, what I'm thinking is is that they learn it through Captain Metropolis in some way, shape, or form. Uh, well, they said that they learned it that they found all this videotape, all this stuff in his house. I guess. Uh, that's basically what they said. That's how the two cops supposedly found out about him because they found all this stuff in his house, and uh, they re- re- revealed that he was uh, homosexual. No, I get it, but then ha- I, I guess they have. Oh, I guess yeah. I guess then it, it, when they have their costumes on, he's filming it. That's the only way I can. Mm-hmm. That's the only way I can. I can think about it in that sense. But even that, mm-hmm. I thought was a little jarring. I don't know. It's just one of those things. It was. Why is it jarring? All right. Okay. No, it was just one of those jarring. Why like, is jarring? <laughs> Okay, it happens. No, because I, 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 it was one of those things where I just didn't ex- see that coming. That was not actually a pun. I didn't mean it to be a pun. Uh, you know, one story that was actually kind of out there too uh, during all this was Alan Moore's birthday. Uh, was was two weeks ago, I think. It was might have been the same day as ours because you know Scorpios, yay. And they brought up a an old quote about how superhero comics are destroying. Almost very Scorsese-like, actually. Superhero movies, and, and it, it, it's this prolonged childhood, and, and 
you know, kind of actually bashing uh, something that's probably made him lots and lots of money. And I can't help but think, I'm like, I feel like he would actually be into the show, though. I feel like he's, I don't know why. I feel like, I feel like he would not be upset that, even though he's very upset they're even doing anything Watchmen at all. But I don't know. I feel like, like, I feel like he'd be into this a little bit. I don't know why. I don't know. I, don't, I wouldn't bet on it. You don't get far betting on whether Alan Moore is going to like your adaptation of his work. Mm-hmm. It doesn't. It doesn't lead to. It doesn't end well. It doesn't yeah. lead to good things. It's interesting too. I mean, really bringing the Ku Klux Klan into everything for some reason that I thought was also was was. I mean, you know, I, it's a big, it was a big deal at that time. I mean, I don't know. We don't really know if the. If, if the Rorschachs are an offshoot, if the, if the Calvary is an offshoot of the Ku Klux Klan, we don't really know right. what the Calvary is yet. Yeah. Um, and they were, again, we're given hints that it's probably a little bigger than what everybody thinks they are. Right. You know? Um, that's, that's another thing that I'm talking about, about this. Like, okay, you know, can we... I mean, they're not going to reveal that until if they they reveal it at all. We're not going to see anything about that until like the last episode. Yeah, I'm very curious to see the scenes for next week. They got the trial of Adrian Veidt. It's the first episode he hasn't been in at all. Mm. I find I find that to be I I yeah. You're just so I think you're so really... down on this show. You're so down on it. You're so down. On it. I like it. I like it. I think there's. I think there's. Is there something wrong with being down on it if I yes. didn't like it? Yeah. Yes. Okay. That's what I yes. figured. Terrible. It's like looking. It's like liking mac and cheese as your favorite Thanksgiving. I'm not. Dish. I'm not down on it at all. <laughs> I'm down on the creators who have created it. I'm down on the way that they're 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 uh, uh, disseminating the story. I'm down on how the story is rolling out because I don't think there's a lot of story here. And then mm-hmm. I think, and I could see very clearly that there's not a lot of story, and it's it's it's, it's all predicated on the cleverness with which it is told, as opposed to what the story is about in and of itself. And I'm saying, mm-hmm. personally, I don't find that very satisfying. I don't think it's very clever to tell a non non linear story. You know, I I just don't. I and and you know that may that may reveal my snob in me, you know, <laughs> that I just don't feel like it's not a non-linear. You, I, I don't, I just don't feel, I don't find it intriguing. You know, I mean, look, I mean, we're how many episodes in? We're five this episodes. Six in, episodes. Right? No, six, six episodes. episodes. In. We're six yeah, episodes yeah. in, right? We finally found out that the guy, the, the main mystery from episode one was done mm-hmm. with a strobe light. Okay. We still don't, really know what the significance is what angela's significance is we don't know what the significance of the fact that she adopted these children that that seemed to play a prominent role in the first few episodes and now have faded back into nothingness we don't know what lori blake is her significance no she adopted the kids of her partner who who yeah i know that but i mean like i said they showcased them as though they were going to play a, a larger mm. role in the in the development of the story, and they, they've taken a complete backseat to it, right? Like I'm talking about the information they're giving us versus the the payoff to the mm. information that we're being given. We're being given it with very front loaded with a lot of stuff that they're handing us, and then they're just not 
rolling that story out in any manner that that it, it's not very fulfilling. It's very empty. Yeah. Like, okay, we, we knew, we figured out Adrian Veidt three episodes ago, right? Right. We, we don't know exactly the details of what he's, you know, we don't know he's on trial for. We don't know exactly where he is, probably on the moon, but we don't know exactly where he is, right? right. But we, we figured that out a long time ago. So that's not really a revelation, right? We, we kind of figured out the Hood of Justice. So that's not really a revelation. We, um, I think still, Adrian Veidt is actually we in don't that know, statue of himself. That's my prediction. Okay. That Lady so? True is actually keeping him locked away. How is that a revelation, though? I just we know he's locked up somewhere. We just don't know where. That's not a I'm revelation. Giving, I'm giving my prediction. My prediction. I don't give a shit about your prediction. <laughs> <laughs> I really don't because you're asking me why I'm down in the show. I'm telling you I'm down. Why? I, and then you jump. You're gonna jump in and tell me I what your prediction is about a statue. I am not down on the show. I'm actually that's good for you. Very what? into it, and I want you to bring your level of excitement back up to where I'm at. No. I thought this episode was actually extremely in well done. In fact, if I thought the show was freaking amazing, just because you demand it, I would not bring my level, my <laughs> level of excitement back up. <laughs> what uh, kind I, of crap is that? I'm not I actually also servant. have to say you were wrong last week. Uh, using nostalgia to go through the memories was actually an effective way to bring us up to speed in terms of that. I actually thought, I thought all in all... I didn't I'm, say it wasn't... What no, last week, last week you had predicted it was going to be this like weird consciousness thing going on, and it, it actually was, turned out to be very It was good. exactly, but I didn't say it was going to be bad. But I said exactly you what it was. You had your usual disdain because I don't like the freaking show. <laughs> what do you want me to do about it? <laughs> the typical blah this blah blah. You know what? Get somebody else in this chair. I don't give a damn. All right, anymore. when we come back, I will divulge. My go-to Thanksgiving meal, and we'll go spinning cares about your meal, dude. the toy racks, Mr. Brian Volkweiss. Nobody cares. Toys that made us coming up next. What I want to feel for Ryan Johnson as a creator is that he turned into the most kick-ass Star Wars script that was going to flip the script on the entire saga. And Kathleen Kennedy and everybody else like, no, we can't do this. You know what else you got? And then he turns into the you know the first draft of the Star Wars fanfic that he did when he was 15 years old. He goes, well, I got this also. And they're like, we'll make this. This is brilliant. <laughs> Secrets of the Sire. Welcome back to Secrets of the Sire. I want to wish everyone out there a happy Thanksgiving uh, tomorrow. Uh, enjoy your Black Friday deals. Enjoy your Cyber Monday spectacular. Enjoy more Mandalorian coming Friday. Uh, my go-to meal, mashed potatoes and gravy. That's an easy one. Easy one. Oh my God. I know I Lindeloft. I, 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 so I, I much better than macaroni and I Lindeloft my... Well, mac and oh cheese could be like God. any meal. No, can't. Gravy. No, there's a no. There's a Thanksgiving a mac and cheese. It obviously 
You haven't had good mac and cheese. No, I've had great mac and cheese, but I can have great Mm, mac and cheese like anytime I want to. No, you can't. You can't have Thanksgiving mac and cheese unless unless it's Thanksgiving. You know what's highly overrated? It's made a special way. Do you know what's highly overrated? The sweet potatoes with the marshmallows on top. Highly yeah, overrated. Because that's gross. People Nobody love no, that. I, well, it is actually delicious, but it's, no, it's, it's highly not. overrated. People that's go nuts gross. over that. People go nuts over no. that. Mm. Another Wait, thing. Okay, let me nuts, let me let me yeah. let me put it a different way. Uh-huh. We don't eat that. Mm. By mm. we I mean black people. <laughs> we don't eat that. <laughs> you racist. How dare you? Yes, uh, I'm racist because I say black people <laughs> don't like sweet potatoes and marshmallows. Okay. Yes. You are okay. gener- you are you are exacerbating a stereotype and generalizing. It's not the, even a stereotype. It's a clarification. It's a stere- It's the opposite of a stereotype. Next thing you know, you're going to tell me that I'm creating a strobe light that will make you dislike macaroni and cheese. Uh, oh so, I, normally, so every <laughs> week, normally we will go spinning the comic book racks and tell you all the good stuff about comic books that you need to know. But tonight we have a very special guest. And he will be spinning the toy racks with us. That is Brian Volkweiss as we go spinning the racks. Spin the rack, spin the rack. Happy to be joined tonight uh, by Brian Volkweiss, creator of the toys that made us. He is going to spin the toy racks with us tonight. Uh, Brian, how are you doing, sir? I'm good. How are you guys doing? Well, we are doing great, and first of all, let me just tell you, uh, thank you for season three of The Toys That Made Us, because you spotlighted the single greatest toy I've ever seen and I've ever had, which is the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Yeah, there uh-huh, we go. Heck yeah. So, you can settle the debate, because you, 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 it, it was as if you knew. Uh, turtles are way better than Power Rangers, right? <laughs> <laughs> you know what? Uh, uh, one day uh, I'm gonna be retired. You come out visit me in Montana. You ask me that question again. I'll give you a real straight answer. <laughs> How about that? <laughs> done yeah, politically. Done he, can't, I, he can't come I, close to answering that question right I, now. <laughs> I am learning the fine art of diplomacy in my old age. <laughs> uh, let's get into the turtles real quick. Uh, we got. We, trust me. We, we were talking Baby Yoda bootleg merchandise earlier in the show. We've we got a whole bunch of good toy questions to ask you. Um, <laughs> the story Baby of Groot. Ninja- <laughs> Baby Groot. <laughs> the story of mutant Ninja Turtles. Uh, to me, it, I mean, it's 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 such a blend of comics and toys to me because the toys, I think, kind of catapulted what was. Still a hit comic, but it turned it into the mainstream. So, talk to talk to us about the experience of that of of, of that uh, you know particular episode uh, and and what it meant to you and 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 just what the turtles are to you. So uh, the turtles, it, it was a very interesting episode because you know a lot of what is the differentiating factor with every episode is if you think about it. Does the company involved, have they owned that toy from day one? Did they acquire it at some point? Did Mm -hmm. they lose the license? So Turtles was a very interesting episode in that, unlike Star Wars, where one man basically controlled everything for a long time, up until Disney bought it, um, Turtles was a hybrid. 
of basically you had two dudes and then it was Viacom and Playmates and Nickelodeon. Mm -hmm. So it was a very interesting thing that for the other 11 episodes, no, nobody, no other episode, no other toy has this in common. Um, it there were really two eras of turtles. Yeah. There was the pre the pre Nickelodeon era mm -hmm. and the post Nickelodeon era, or I should say the Viacom era after Viacom sure. bought. So that's where it was super interesting in that we learned about the early days of turtles and how they had such an unusual control that mm -hmm. was very comparable to what George Lucas had for Star Wars and what Gene Roddenberry did not have for yeah. Star Trek. Um, but then he sold it to Viacom and it became a very different situation. So that was one of the, in my opinion, one of the most unique aspects of the Turtles episode. Yeah, and it's funny you mentioned that too because, you know, my son, he's three and a half years old and we have a little Ninja Turtles. It's like the vintage t-shirt that he wears and he knows about the turtles and it just it, it it's funny to me because to, for 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 that for those characters to have seemingly hit that one hit wonder status i guess is the best you know they, they call it the summer of turtles and you know all that stuff and then to come back again uh, you know we're finding that with a lot of of brands these days a lot of ips now but i mean were you at the time shocked? I mean, I was, I was shocked when, when uh, the Turtles just kept coming back and, and now are, are a fixture in the next generation of, of toy lovers and, and, and just kids. The, nothing is more shocking to this day that they're making new Star Wars movies. Mm. I mean, I, 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 I still cannot believe they're making new Star Wars movies. <laughs> <laughs> with with the original cast and sure. directly connect, I still don't believe it. Um, Turtles is definitely uh, behind that in terms of I can't believe this is happening. But the thing that's very interesting about Turtles that it does in many ways have in common with My Little Pony, mm -hmm. but no other toy. They keep getting up to bat, and even when they strike out, they're like, "All right, all right, all right." Let's peace out for a couple of years yeah. and then try again, <laughs> which by the way, did not work for He-Man right. and other than the initial return in the eighties mm -hmm. didn't work for GI Joe. Yeah. They, and, and to a certain extent, it's still not working and has never worked for Star Wars. So, or sorry, sorry, Star Trek. So the thing that's very interesting about turtles is, and like I said, my little pony has this in common. Yeah. Even when they strike out, they just go back to the dugout, hang out for a couple of years, and then go back to bat and trot. And it my, usually my, works. My Little Pony is fascinating to me, too, and, and that was in the season as well, too. I, I, that, it, that, to me, has taken on a complete like cult life of its own among adults, I feel like. Right? Am I right or am I wrong about that? I, 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 don't, I think, to be completely honest with you, I think it's too big to be considered a cult. I, I yeah. think we're talking mm -hmm. about hundreds of millions of people yeah. that are into My Little Pony. And what I always say to people about My Little Pony, whenever they think the bronies thing is weird, mm -hmm. what I always say is, if you think bronies is weird, that means you have not tried My Little Pony. Because <laughs> if you try it and you watch it, you will understand very quickly yeah. why it's not 
that weird that do it's like it's like finding it weird that girls yeah. are into star wars that's not weird why wouldn't girls be into star wars <laughs> my little pony what does it have it has original characters great characters a great villain of a fair amount of villains at sure. this point by the way and great storytelling so it, here's the thing that's going to sound and I, do I I am not a brony in the slightest <laughs> but I will say this yeah if you watch a vintage GI Joe cartoon yeah. or a vintage Transformers cartoon good luck <laughs> they they're really simple and they were supposed to be simple right. they're made for kids right my little pony even going back to the first original run of the cartoon, some complicated shit. Like, it's like really <laughs> like in-depth. Oh, is there no cursing? Sorry. No, there is, but we like to go bing after every time there's a curse. No, no, uh, we. It's only he. He likes to do that. <laughs> no, no, you can. You can. That's the beauty of the podcast. You totally can. We just like saying that. News. Yeah, he here's just likes to be obnoxious about it. Well, yeah, that's, look, that's our fucking trade. Here's the good news, guys. Of the seven days in a week, the day I curse the least, is Wednesdays. So this is the perfect, <laughs> the perfect day to be doing this. Can I make I a, 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 wait, a really quick observation about that, about what you're saying? I, I yes. think, I think uh, you know, going off of what you were saying about how like, G.I. Joe's never been able to make a, a solid comeback or He-Man or some of these other stories, like also the, the Thundercats, whatever – Whatever is you know kind of was big in the eighties is trying to make a you know make a solid resurgence in in comparison to the to the to the ponies and also the ninja turtles i don't think the teenage Mutant ninja turtles and for that matter my little pony i don't think they have changed in any way each each and every one of these other franchises has tried some kind of massive overhaul to contemporize themselves it's crazy, it's crazy. And, yeah, and I don't. Th I think the turtles are still in the the, the sewers. There's still there's still four of them. Every mm -hmm. now and then, that like you like you like you covered, they they add they try to add a a fifth one, but you know that doesn't always work out. And and pretty much the stories just stay the same. They just get accelerated through you know through a modern lens. But the you, you could basically start watching them all the way back in the '80s and watch them all the way up to now, and they're essentially the same characters. You know, there's, yeah. there's not this, this great mythological overhaul of everything to try to make it all, all you know, hip and sexy and modern. And I well, think that's let, one, of the, one of the things that lends to the longevity of it. Well, let, let's, let's see how well you've been paying attention to the great classic series, The Toys That Made Us. Can you <laughs> put your, let's see, or another way to say it, let's see how good or bad I did my job explaining uh -huh. this. Can you point your finger at why this has happened with the other brands and why it didn't happen with turtles because there's a very simple singular answer that i first of all in the i hope i'm saying this right in the annals or, uh, i don't want to say the wrong word in, in the history <laughs> of in the history of capitalism this is all here's a big clue for you in the history of capitalism the thing that effed up gi joe and he-man and a lot has almost never happened before. In the airplane business, in the boat business, in the coffee business, this has never happened before. 
Huh. And you got you, you set it up very nicely. And was we're it, gonna we're gonna crash gonna, the landing. I, Go ahead, well, Hassan. maybe. I don't know. Um was it the fact that the um the the I'm probably totally wrong on this. The IP owners actually maintain some creative control of uh Well, that's what happened. That's why you're right about turtles, because mm -hmm. large playmates, you know, one of the things about turtles, playmates, even though Peter and Kevin were out, playmates was still there and very yeah. involved hmm. with the cartoons and the movies. And they brought Kevin back too. Yeah. Yeah. For for consulting. Exactly. Who, who kind of needed it because either. he didn't he didn't make out like a bandit like Mr. Eastman did, you know. Yes, but I, I do have to say this and, and I, I, I don't know either of these guys other than interviewing them for the show. I got no horse in the race. Kevin well, chose to be bought out. He chose that. Peter did not screw him out like yeah, no, yeah. no 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 bad decision. I didn't mean it. I didn't mean it that way. Oh, no, I just no, meant I it in the did. sense that yeah, yeah. when no, I know when, you did, but that's yeah. out there. Like, oh, he got screwed up. I'm like, no, he made a bad decision. But anyway, no, yeah. back to your original. He questions. blinked. He blinked, and uh, Mr. Eastman did not blink, and that's basically well. That's it. But the other thing is, I think partially due to their age difference, mm -hmm. I think Peter, who is ten years older or at least, he knew how delicate the success was. And he was like, there's no way we're going to do this again. Right. Kevin, right. who was younger, was like, if I could do it once, I could do it twice. <laughs> <laughs> I, think, I think that was really it. If you listen to what they're saying, that's really what happened. But anyway, no, back to your original point. Um, Hasbro, this giant company, bought a near-bankrupt Kenner. And what did they do? They fired all their department heads that had been yeah. making successful toys yeah. and replaced them with the people that almost bankrupted Kenner. So <laughs> it was just this that very- sounds like a sound decision. business logic. I don't understand. <laughs> well, it's, it's, it's almost unheard of in the history of capitalism to have done this. That's yeah. what destroyed G.I. Joe. That's what almost destroyed um, My Little Pony. Um, right did catastrophic damage to a, a, a lot of Kenner's brands. Uh, and uh, sorry, a lot of Hasbro's brands also did a fair amount of damage to Transformers. And in all three of those cases, either people that were working on the brands and were forced into retirement were brought back. Some of them didn't even go back. They were like, go F yourself. I'm not coming back. Um, <laughs> and then with He-Man, which of course was Mattel, yeah. slightly different they were kind of making it up as they went along and they you know you can only be lucky for so long uh but um but yeah that's back to your original point i think turtles was this interesting hybrid between yeah. what happened with george lucas and star wars and then eventually what happened with transformers with uh hasbro now this season also covers, which I also think is an, I, there's almost a theme with a lot of these, uh, w with this particular season too, is the wrestling toys. And, and just, yeah, yeah. Uh, it's another thing where, you know, Hassan and I, not to give away our age, but we grew up in the don't, time. Don't do it. <laughs> well, you're older than me, so it's okay. Don't uh, do it. <laughs> where, you know, we can remember the 80s, uh, you know, Hassan probably even clearer than I can. Um, oh, boy. And just how big 
these things were. And then to see it kind of become this joke and kind of go away from like the public eye and then kind of come back again. I remember in college, I remember my, my roommates were watching wrestling and I'm like, what do you mean you're watching wrestling? And there's just this whole new era. I mean, it seems, it seems to me like that, um, you know, is again, one of those amazing comeback stories in a way. I, I, I mean, I, this happened two weeks ago. I mean, I, it, and I can tell you the first time I noticed this, I know exactly where I was, but two weeks ago, my daughter is five years old. Mm-hmm. I take her to school. This little girl, I don't know her name, five years old, comes running up to my daughter to say hello. She's wearing a Bib Fortuna t-shirt. <laughs> if you had told 10, 13, 15, 20, 30 year old Brian that one day yeah. a girl that wasn't even born, like, I mean, she was in her crib yeah. when the first J.J. Abrams came out, Star Wars. <laughs> that she's, by the way, she's not wearing Princess Leia. Right. She's not wearing Boba Fett. She's wearing <laughs> Bib this Fortuna. nasty, gross <laughs> character who says seven words in one of the movies on her t-shirt. And gets slapped and around. Her, well, I said, because in my head, I'm like, oh, her parents. I go, who's that on your t-shirt? She goes, Bib Fortuna. <laughs> Fortuna. She goes, Java's friend. I'm like, you know what? Fair enough. Fair enough. <laughs> <Yeah>. So, <laughs> like that. I mean, think about that, guys. No, I. Fan Fortuna. On it's a very far-reaching. Girls T-shirt. She knew who he was and was like 80 percent right with his job description. Like <laughs> that's not that's not bad. No, it, yeah, it's just it's it's amazing to me the the connections and it, it, as parents, that's actually kind of a cool thing though now because because. You know, I, I think in a way, parents today can connect through the toys. It, you know, there's not a new thing, really. It's just, a, it's just regurgitating some stuff that we've had, and not in a bad way. I don't mean to say that in a bad way, but it's, I mean, that's kind of exciting. Like, I'm excited. I actually, my dad just brought over a trunk full of my, uh, my old Transformers, my GoBots, nice. which I still love, nice. uh, my new Ninja Turtle toys, too. And I'm sitting there going, like, I'm not giving this to him yet. But when I do... <laughs> it's going to be awesome. Like it's going to be, and it's going to be yeah. awesome for the two of us. And, and I think there's something kind of cool uh, about that. Uh, all right. We had this debate last week and we talked about the bootleg merchandise going on. Baby Yoda. Is that, is that going to be the Christmas toy? Is that, is that the Christmas toy that everyone's going to be fighting over? Do you think? Well, it depends on how good or bad you are at finding bootleg stuff. Uh, <laughs> no, no, they have the real ones coming now though. We have the real ones coming, but there's bootleg oh. stuff out there. And the real I ones are now the, announced. Yeah, I, I heard the I heard the real stuff will not be here before January. Oh, okay, all right. So you yeah. might know. I'm not saying I, I do not work for Hasbro or Lucasfilm. You might know something I don't know. I think it's going to be in time for Christmas. From from what amazing. I was reading. If that's the case, then that is amazing, and they yeah. are going to make so much money, <laughs> and, and right and rightfully so. By the way, I do know they delayed it. Yes, and I thought they delayed it until next year. But one of the things that I always find so horrible, everybody always picks on Disney: money, 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 money. They are constantly doing stuff like this mm-hmm. to delay massive amounts of money in benefit of a story. Yeah. So thank God we didn't know about Baby Yoda. 
Yeah, no, I know. Mm-hmm. I know. And, and, and it really, it's funny too, because, uh, you know, we talked about this earlier in the show too, you know, at first I, you know, when you first see baby Yoda, you look at it, you're just like, well, this is, this is almost like a gimmick, but as it, as it, as so far through three chapters, I, I'm hooked. Like I, I, like I give in, like I gave, I give in to the baby Yoda. I can't, I can't, I can't help but, uh, give in to baby Yoda. We did this last week and, 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 and we'll, it's good to bring you on here. Baby Yoda or Baby Groot? Which one? Which Yoda. one do you? Which one? Baby Yoda. Baby Yoda. Oh. <laughs> baby Yoda or Boss Baby? Baby Yoda. All right. No, babe. I I do like Boss Baby. But by the way, I'll make it even harder for myself. Okay. I would go with Boss Baby over Groot. Oh. Ooh, I didn't see that coming. I don't think we even had yeah. that. Yeah. Baby Yoda or Baby from the show Dinosaurs. That's baby an easy one. Dinosaurs. Oh, really? Yep. Oh, Over so Baby Yoda? Cute. So cute. So <gasps> funny. But wow. by the way, we've only seen three episodes, technically two. Well, technically three, but really only two with Baby Yoda. That's so true. Maybe he will outcute Pink Baby mm. from Dinosaurs. Mm. By the way, I don't know if you're aware of this or not with Groot. He only says one thing. <laughs> but it's so cute. <laughs> it is cute. It is cute, but uh, I, I definitely, I'm like, I get this, but. But he does on. a lot more. I Baby Groot does a lot more than every other. He pushes band. buttons. He's not supposed yeah, to he push. Does, he they does, have does to, a lot more. There's a lot of things. Everybody loves Groot. But All right. I like Groot a lot. I think he's great. I'm not madly in love with Groot. Last, last one, and this is, this is Brian. Well, actually, we, we'll, give, we'll give two more. One is uh, the one we came up with, which was Baby Yoda or Maggie Simpson. As best baby. Baby Yoda. All right. And Baby wow. Yoda versus Stewie Griffin. That's from our fan, Brian Everham, who pointed out that we forgot to mention Stewie Griffin. We didn't forget. Baby Yoda. <laughs> Brian, you are a master. You cut right <laughs> to the chase. Uh, season three is on Netflix now. Uh, you're like a very awesome. busy man, though. Awesome. I mean, you, you have toys that made us. What other stuff you got going on that you would like other folks to know about? Well, this coming Friday, uh, the spinoff of Toys That Made Us comes out, the movies that made us. Mm-hmm. Uh, so oh, I hope nice. people give it a chance. Uh, we had a lot of fun making it. Uh, we're doing a show now for uh, Disney Plus uh, called Behind the Attraction. That's all about the parks and yep. the individual rides. So we're doing it come out next year, uh, at the end of the year. Um, we're doing... We have a big show coming out on History Channel about President Grant. Uh, that's going to oh. be three two-hour episodes. Wow. We just had Mad About You come out last week. We did the reboot of that. Wow. Um, we're doing a great show I can't talk about yet with Zac Efron. We're doing a great wow. show I can't talk about yet uh, for BET+. Uh, we're doing uh, some cool stuff for Discovery. Um, yeah. I always... I'm not in my office right now. Uh, I like being in my office because then I can look at my wall and I can see what I can talk about or can't talk about. <laughs> um, but need, needless to say, uh, we, we do we, we have some cool stuff. I, I'm biased. Maybe it's not cool. I think it's cool. Uh, I think, got some stuff coming. I think it's very cool, and you know it when it does drop where you can come and talk all about it. Uh, Brian Bolkweis, thank you so much for joining us. Really appreciate it. Uh, happy Thanksgiving, everybody. Uh, eat a lot of turkey. What's, uh, what's your go-to? This is our, our question. Every, what's your go-to Thanksgiving dish? Dark meat, baby. 
Ooh. Darkening. <laughs> I like I, that. If I was allowed to, like, in, on many levels, mm -hmm. I would, like, eat only the dark meat, and nobody else would have dark meat. That, that would be my move. I can't do that because I'm, like, the father and all that stuff. Because that's, that's greedy. You're not, you're not supposed to behave like that. <laughs> you're supposed to set but, an example. But if, if I had my druthers, just eight-foot-tall pile of dark meat, Oh, man. All right. Well, thank you, guys. And thank you, everyone, for uh, tuning into Secrets of the Sire. We will see you next week. Thanks, Ryan.